There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. Uh, you know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes. Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane. Unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them. Unlimited guest service. And most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. So over the weekend, Nolan Hickman, the former Kentucky point guard commit, top 50 player in the country, he chose Gonzaga. KU was in his top three along with Gonzaga and Auburn. He chose the Zags. Okay. Savir Wheeler, the former Georgia point guard. He had his top four of Kentucky, Kansas, LSU, and Oklahoma State. He chose Kentucky. Okay. Ty Ty Washington last week chose Kentucky. Okay. Okay. All right. So all three of these guys say, you know what? Kansas is one of our finalists. And all three of them are like, but we're going to go somewhere else. That, I mean, honestly, that's just a numbers game, right? It can happen. You can't expect everybody to choose Kansas, but I I think you could expect someone to choose Kansas. And I ask this respectfully, of course, is anybody ever going to choose Kansas again? Mm. Okay, that's not a fair question. Of course, somebody at some point will choose Kansas. But let's just look in the near future. Remy Martin, Arizona State grad transfer, has entered the NBA draft. Sounds like he's going to go through the draft process. But if he is to return to school, it won't be to Arizona State. He has entered the transfer portal. And... Kansas is a school that's going to kick the tires on that. Now, unlike the other two, he hasn't made a list. He hasn't said, this is who I'm considering. But Kansas was in on him out of high school. Curtis Townsend was his primary recruiter out of Kansas. It would make sense that at that point, late in the game, looking for a starting spot like Kentucky, like they're not going to be looking for a starting point guard, right? If you're looking for a place to increase your exposure, Kansas would be a great place to do that. Don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA tournament. Is Kansas going to be eligible? We don't know that. But we do know if you're looking for a place to play, to play right away, to be uh, a featured player, have a prominent role, and get a ton of exposure, Kansas can offer you that about as much, if not more, than anybody else in the country. 
Now, we don't know what Remy Martin's going to do. We had Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star on last week, and he said, I think it's against, it's, it's probably unlikely that Remy Martin ends up at Kansas. And it's not specific to the situation other than it sounds like, based off an interview that Remy Martin's dad did, that he really wants to be in the league. Like, even if you get undrafted, they would probably take a two-way contract over coming back to school, which is not the case for most kids. Go find me a mock draft with Remy Martin anywhere near it because you won't. He is not going to get drafted. Sam Vecini, who does the top 100 big board for the Athletic, doesn't even have him being drafted. He doesn't have him on the top 100. There are 60 players who get drafted. So if they had a third round and they drafted another 30 players, he still wouldn't be drafted. He'd be a mid-fourth round pick. Maybe. So if you figure every team gives one two-way contract out to an undrafted guy... Kind of SOL there. It's tough to be a six-foot guard without length and who isn't a knockdown shooter. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it doesn't matter what you or I or the NBA or scouts or writers think about him. It's about what he thinks. And if he's like, I don't care, I'll go out there and improve it, that's great. Now, you would think if he's not even close to getting a two-way contract, he's going to go to the combine and teams are going to tell him that. Like, hey, we're not, you're, you're not getting a deal. Like, this isn't happening. But you just don't know. You don't know what guys' motivations are, and you don't know what their threshold is for making a certain decision. If he were to come back to school, though, I feel like Kansas would be in good position. But even with that being said, I really just have a hard time at this point thinking that anything good is going to happen to Kansas on the recruiting trail because thus far, they just haven't had a ton of luck. Now, they got Joe Yesifu, who I'm really high on. That's fantastic. Uh, You get Cam Martin, who kind of came out of nowhere. But other than that, you know, the additions that they've made are guys who were already in tow, right? Zach Clemens, K.J. Adams, Sidney Curry, uh, Kyle Cuff, who reclassified from 2022 to 2021. The only new additions that you've made this offseason are Joe Yesifu, the transfer from Drake, and Cam Martin, the Division II All-American. Both those guys may play a big role. But when we're talking about these Division I Power 5 transfers, they've shown interest in KU. They've put KU on their Final Four, Final Five, Final Three, but nobody's chose KU. Is that reason enough for you to think that that's not changing the rest of the offseason? That Remy Martin or anybody else who may become available, there's no reason to be overly confident that they're going to wind up at Kansas. Yeah, that's fair. I just... I guess the thing with recruiting is like once we get to the off season, we focus so much on it that it feels like every miss you have is just like an extra blow. But like in reality, over the course of the the regular season too, how many high school kids commit that have KU on their final five, final seven list and don't pick them? But it's just there's other stuff going on that we don't just kind of hyper focus on it. So it's not totally unusual, and that's basically what I'm saying here is, as soon as KU gets one guy, could be Remy Martin. Could be, I don't know, some high school kid. Could be somebody we don't even know about. It could be somebody who's not even in the transfer portal yet who all of a sudden enters last minute because of an NBA draft decision or their team takes on another transfer. He just makes a late decision into Mm -hmm. the game. Just takes one decision, and all of a sudden, all of these questions we had, it's just like, did we overreact there? And that's just kind of the nature of the business after the season. There's not as much to talk about, so of course we're going to overreact. Well, it's not—I don't necessarily know if it's an overreaction if we're just saying that, yeah, Kansas is having a difficult time recruiting Oh, yeah, right now. no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if KU got Remy Martin, revisionist history, 
would we look back and say, wow, that was a grind? Or would we look back and go, man, they got Remy Martin. They got Joe Yesifu. Like, they got a pretty good offseason there. Yeah, you would. It just takes one. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and, well, I would take it a step further. Because here's what I think is more likely than that. More likely than the scenario where Remy Martin ends up at Kansas. I'd imagine they'll find something to do with that scholarship. But at this point, it would seem more likely I would just take the field. If it's Remy Martin or every other available option, it'd be any other available option. And it might be a guy that we haven't heard of. It might be another uh, transfer who's just not a big name that we're not really talking about. That's probably more likely. Somebody who maybe doesn't make an immediate impact. Maybe it's not even a point guard, right? Maybe the point guard competition is as it currently stands. And we'll say, oh, man, that didn't really pan out the way we thought it would. What if Joe Yesifu ends up being uh, a 15, 16, 17-point-per-game score for KU? Then we won't care. Nobody will say that KU struck out. Maybe they will leading up to the season. Oh, KU really could have used an impact player or point guard, and that's why I have them sixth in my preseason top 25 instead of higher. Right? Oh, that's why I have Baylor winning the Big 12. Like, you can see the national pundits coming out and saying things like that. Oh, they kind of struck out. on the rec- Maybe. But I'm saying once we get to the season, if Joe Yesifu ends up being a stud, if Bobby Pettiford ends up being a guy who comes in right away playing 20 minutes a game as your starting point guard or a backup point guard, and all of a sudden he says, oh my gosh, in three years that kid's going to be really special. If that's the case, then we won't talk about it. We won't. The only way this will actually come back to fruition and we'll say, yeah, they really did strike out, is if they don't get anybody and it's noticeable during the season. They don't get another impact player at the guard spot, and we're sitting there in January saying they really could use another player. They could really use somebody to bolster this offense. But honestly, like I, th- I like the upside of Joe Yesifu. I like Bobby Pettiford. I think Bobby Pettiford's probably better than his recruiting ranking. Like, Go watch some of the video on him. A guy who went from a 29% three-point shooter to a 39% three-point shooter from his junior to senior year. Like, that's a kid who maybe he's not a freshman All-American, right? He's not a starter from day one, but he could be, again, I'm not saying he's going to be this guy, but a Devontae Graham-like trajectory where your significant role player as a freshman, you come back as a sophomore full-time starter, and there's nobody questioning it, right? If that's the trajectory you're on and you become a, two or three-year starter, we're not going to be complaining about, oh, man, why didn't they get Xavier Wheeler, right? Why didn't they get Remy Martin? It's all going to come down to what these guys do next season. And I think the upside there for a lot of these players certainly exists. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. We're going to switch gears and talk some Royals baseball with David Lesky of Inside the Crown and Royals Review, who joins us coming up next. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. Accountability was the buzzword yesterday for Royals manager Mike Matheny into that game. 3-3 tie. Jose Abreu comes home on a wild pitch and now brings up the tried and true discussion. I mean, it never fails. If you want to to really have an in-depth, passionate discussion about baseball, I think you have to start first with uh, the advent of a video replay and the role that it should have. It, it literally takes years off my life talking about video replay, but yet you can't just completely ignore it because it is something that pops up and becomes a major storyline. So I don't really know what to do with it. Maybe David Lesky can make sense of it. Our friend from Royals Review, he's got his sub stack inside the crown, joins us now on the show. What are we 
What do we do here? Mike Matheny was not happy yesterday, David. I mean, he's probably got a point, but yet it's the same discussion that I feel like we've dredged up dozens and dozens and dozens of times before. So what do we do? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you can tell that he is hes sick of it. Um, I think now, it, it, if you think about it from his perspective, they have had this crew, which is Angel Hernandez's crew, that he went with a different crew for the last week. They've had this crew for two full weeks. And this is a bad umpiring crew. It's not just that they've had the same umpires for two weeks. It's that they're bad umpires on top of it. I mean, you saw the strike zones all weekend and all week. And we know what happened with with the Cleveland series last week and or two weeks ago now, I guess. I mean, we... I think what happened is Matheny has just completely reached his breaking point with these guys. And if, and I think they know who the crews are, but it, you know, if it comes out tomorrow that it's the same crew back in Kansas city, I think Matheny might just quit. I think he might just say, I'm done. <laughs> this is, this has been, this has been real. Um, Pedro, you take over. But uh, you know, the thing about yesterday's game, I don't, I, I didn't see clearly if he was tagged or not. I don't, were you able to tell? I mean, could no. you, yeah. Uh, which, which and that's okay, by the, the way. That's okay yeah. to just like not have uh, a very passionate feeling one way or another. Exactly, and and I mean I don't. The issue with replay, I've said this before, it's that it's based on the call on the field. I think that you get rid of that immediately, and you improve replay by a hundred times because. But that should it shouldn't have been based on well did the umpire. I mean, that, I guess that could be the one that you go to in an extreme, extreme tiebreaker. But if you watch that replay without knowing what it was, there's pretty much – it's pretty obvious that he probably tagged him, I think. And I'm not – I couldn't tell if he did or not. But based on, you know, the way you get into it, and this, this is little things, but the way the laces move, stuff like that. But because it was hard to tell for sure, you reverted to the call on the field. And I think that's wrong. I think that's the wrong, the wrong way to go about it. Um, but you know, it's been how many years now, eight, nine, I don't even know when replay was implemented. It stunk from the start. So I mean, they, they don't really seem to be pushing to change anything. So this is just kind of what it is. And I don't know, I guess, I guess it's better. They at least look at it and say that they were wrong. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't, this isn't, this doesn't work. Um, but they don't seem to be changing into something better, so this is kind of what we're stuck with. Should we just go to robots? Should we just let yeah, let's do it. Robot umpires take over. We say that now, and then you know, fast forward to 2030, and you've got uh, you know managers arguing and spitting in the faces of robots. Like I don't know if that's the answer either. Well, here's the problem with that: is when they start to get a mind of their own, and they take the bath, <laughs> and then <laughs> it just gets out of hand pretty it, quickly. It, it, yeah, I mean, it snowballs. It really does. And so you got to have some kind of controls in place. And so, um, I don't know, maybe you strap the robot to the real umpire. Mm. Um, okay. I think th- there, are some, uh, there are some things you can do with rubber bands and pulleys that, that would surprise you. So <laughs> that, that's a possibility. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think with the strike zone, I think the, the computerized zone is the answer, and that's coming at some point. I don't know when, but it's coming. The rest of the stuff, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a, a demonstrative change anytime soon. So this is kind of what it is. Now we saw a series split over the weekend, which, based off how the week before went, felt like a series win. At least for me, it did. Um, baby steps, right? That's where you got to start 
Yeah. Um, I feel like we have a tendency, and like this is something we've been doing, for example, with Brad Keller all year. When things are going poorly, you hyper-analyze. You focus in, you magnify everything, and in some cases, you make things bigger problems than they really are. So when you lose as many games in a row as they did, you can basically complain about everything. Now that that losing streak is in the rearview mirror, though, what should we really be focusing on? If the Royals are going to get back to playing competitive baseball, where do we start with where our attention should be focused? Well, I mean, I don't think there's one place necessarily. There, there are a handful of things in each area of the team. So the starters, and, and this got better. This was They had a good weekend with this, but they need to go deeper into games. Um, forget about Junis. He's not, you know, the doubleheader, it was, he's coming out of the bullpen. I think they were expecting to have, you know, two, three innings from him maybe. Um, but Keller went five, which was not enough, but in the seven-inning game it worked. Um Mike Miner was outstanding on Saturday. He went seven. That's good. Brady Singer went six and a third yesterday afternoon. So that's a really good start. But they need they just need more innings from their starters because the issue with the bullpen, and, and there's two things with the bullpen. One, they need less work, which is directly correlated with the starters. Two, they need to get healthy. Um, yesterday's game was a direct result of not having Kyle Zimmer, not having Jesse Hahn. And... They've gotten by for the most part, and it's partially because they had Zimmer for most of the time, you know, up until the last week and a half or so. But they really have two relievers you feel pretty good about every time they come out. That's Barlow and Stallings. I, you know, I don't know what I don't know what you're going to get from Jake Brent. Is he going to throw strikes? If he does, yeah, I feel good. If he doesn't, well, I don't know, but I, I can't tell you if he's going to throw strikes. Tyler Zuber, I like the way he's thrown, but he struggled a little bit. Greg Holland. It's been up and down. I, I like Greg Holland. I think he's a nice guy to have as your fifth or sixth reliever, but right now he's probably the third reliever, and that's, he's not good enough for that. Wade Davis shouldn't be there at all, but that's another story. Um, you know, they've just got a handful of guys who shouldn't be as high in the pecking order as they are, but they are because of injuries, so this is kind of the situation that they're in. So they need to get healthy, they need to pitch less, um, they need to throw more strikes, honestly. They just walk so many batters out of that bullpen. They, they put themselves in so much trouble. So that's the issue on the pitching staff. And offensively, the lineup just isn't, isn't as deep as we thought it would be. And part of that is that Hunter Dozier first didn't hit, and then now he, then he tried to sack Jose Abreu. That was a crazy collision on Friday afternoon. Um, but you know, he struggled, and they've kind of gotten – tepid production from Jorge Soler. He's been off and on off season. Ben and Tendi started. So, you know, they, they just, they've struggled to lengthen that lineup out. And Alberto Mondesi coming back will help that quite a bit. But the other thing with the offense, some of it, I mean, I feel like the broadcast beats us over the head with it, but it's true. Some of it is bad luck. They, they've hit the ball hard and they, they're not falling in. That's the sort of thing that'll even out over the course of the season. It would not surprise me. I'm not saying I'm predicting this, especially with who the Brewers are throwing out there tomorrow and, and Wednesday with uh, Woodruff and Burns, but um, which, by the way, also sounds like a really interesting media team that are cracking open some presidential scandal. Um, but with, with those two guys, they're, they're going to struggle to score, but it wouldn't surprise me at some point in the next two weeks if they have a six- or seven-game period where they score like 55 runs. <laughs> they're going to get Monacy back. Solaire has looks like he's starting to come out of it a little bit. Benintendi and Santana are hitting. Perez is, is pretty pretty consistent, which is weird because he's never really consistent in his career. But um, they, it, it seems like they at some point the luck's going to even out, and maybe some of it did on Friday when they hit two home runs that had an expected batting average of less than 200. Um, but 
that's a lot of it for them. And they just need to get healthy. They need to get, get better plate appearances. But also, they just need to find some more luck. So all those things, they can get back on track. I mean, they're only four games under five hundred, which seems really bad because they were seven games over like 16 days ago. But there, there's a path out of this. They just they have to put things together again. You mentioned uh, a name that a lot of people have been waiting for. Alberto Mondesi starts his rehab assignment in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, hit quite the home run this weekend. And Derek and I were joking earlier today, you know, baseball is the, the one sport where even if things are going so poorly, all you need is a little bit of promise in the minor leagues to convince yourself that, hey, you know, reinforcements, as Derek said, are always on the way. There's always reinforcements, and when they're on the way, it's a very exciting time. But this is a big one, right? This isn't just another guy. This is a guy who you have high hopes for, especially with the way spring training went for him. We've been kind of waiting to see when, when this would be. What would the significance be of, of getting him up to the majors, especially at a time where the, the Royals could certainly use some help? Well, I mean, he helps everywhere because the defense has been shoddy. Nicky Lopez is a very good second baseman. He isn't okay shortstop. Um, Mondesi comes back, pushes Lopez to second, where Mondesi is a very good shortstop. All of a sudden, you've got a very good defense up the middle. Whit Merrifield, who has played a really bad second base this year. <laughs> There's no way to sugarcoat that. He has not been good at second base. He moves to right field where he's, a li- where he's better, and he's certainly better than Jorge Soler, who's been out there quite a bit because the Royals insist on giving Ryan O'Hearn at bats. I don't get that at all. Um, but all of a sudden, before you even take into account the fact that Mondesi has the type of speed who can steal 75 bases in a year or hit 25 home runs or whatever, you've made the defense so much better that you probably save, I don't want to, don't want to go too far, but I don't know, a quarter of a run off each pitcher's ERA. Like that, that's, that's how bad the defense was versus how, how much better it could be with Mondesi. So even if he hits zeros across the board he improves the team coming back but he, he's probably going to hit okay <laughs> he's, he's a very streaky hitter there will be there will be times when he is hitting zeros across the board but then there will be times like we saw in the last 20 games of the year where he hit like crazy so he gives the royals some power um a ton of speed not much on base obviously but he he just kind of adds another element and he's a switch hitter too so he balances the lineup out a little bit it, it's this is this is beyond important for them to get back. They treaded water without him, um, and I, I don't know. They, there was some mention of maybe tomorrow. I I don't think that's a good idea. But I could see him back on Friday um, if if he if things go well. The, the rest of this week they're off today because um, all minor leagues are off on Monday now. But um, two or three more games in in, in Northwest Arkansas or or. Um, I think he's he's moving up to double or triple A to go to Des Moines uh, with Omaha for this week. But um, you know, I, I think a few more games get him get him to see some pitching for a little bit longer, get him back here the, by the weekend. That just helps the team everywhere. It's it, it's the type of thing where they can just kind of take a breath, and I, and I think they'll get Zimmer back too, and maybe Jesse Hahn as well. So you might finally see most of a full team here here in the next few days, which. We, we haven't seen that yet. And, I mean, Dozier's now on the injured list, but he wasn't hitting at all anyway. So I don't, I don't know if that's, that's a huge loss at this moment. But um, you really finally get to see what this full team can do. And, and maybe, they can, maybe they can make some wins from just the momentum of getting those guys back. Yeah, the momentum would have been something else, right, if, if he had started the season. Because at that point, if Mondesi starts the season on the Major League roster – we're all really excited to see if he can continue what he did in spring training. Does does the injury does it force you to 
tamper expectations just a little bit? Yes, only because you know if they were winning, if they if they weren't struggling the way that they are, um, and yeah, they split, but they're still struggling. I mean, they're two and thirteen in their last fifteen games, so not great. Um, if they were still humming along, and they had even if they'd gone like seven and eight in these fifteen games, they were six games over five hundred. They were maybe not in first, but hanging around, or maybe they are. I don't know. I, I would like another week for Mondesi in the minors just to just to get his timing out. He's very timing based, and sometimes that timing is way off for him. That's what gets him to struggle when when he does have those bouts. So it would be nice if he had a little more time. Um, I could see him taking a little bit of time to get get his feet under him at the big league level when he comes back up. So yeah, I think I think you got to be thankful for the defense he provides and for when he gets on as infrequently as it might be when he when he comes up. The stolen bases he'll probably get from that because he's going to he's going to run like crazy, I'm sure. Um, but you know, I, I think once you get into once he's been up for a week and a half, two weeks, you gotta, you start to get those expectations back. I think, and this is a big year for him. It's a really big year. There were a lot of rumors of a contract extension before the season that didn't happen. I don't know if it's because of the injury or just because it just didn't happen. But um, it's it's a big year, especially they've got Bobby Witt Jr. coming up too, right behind him. If he continues to struggle and or not be able to stay on the field, you know, right now the plan, I think, is Witt at third, Mondesi at shorts. Um, that could change, though. If Mondesi can't be counted on a shortstop, that could change. And so Mondesi's kind of got his career in his hands this season. So when he comes back, it's important that he plays well for him and the Royals. Chris Bubich is a name that you've mentioned um, a handful of times based off how well he's played out of the bullpen so far this year. Uh, not going to be coming out of the bullpen tomorrow, making the start against the Brewers He's been so good in this year after what was, I think, an up-and-down but somewhat promising debut last year as a starter. Do you anticipate this move to the rotation to be permanent? Is this just a spot start? Like, how are you kind of approaching this for Bubich? Well, I, I think I think Junis's struggle on Friday night probably made this a little more likely to be a permanent move, or at least a temporary permanent move. Um, I don't, I don't know that outside of I think Miner and Keller and maybe Duffy are guys who are in there permanently. But with the innings from last year and all that, I don't know that anybody else is permanent in any spot in 2021. So, but but from a from a for now standpoint, yeah, I think I think this is a chance for Bubich to take this rotation spot and run with it. It's the one they were going to give to Daniel Lynch, but obviously he struggled in three starts, so. Uh, Bubich has a chance to get back in the rotation. And, yeah, he was up and down, but he, he finished off really nicely last year. He had two nine six ERA in his last five starts, more than a strikeout per inning, less than a hit per inning. Um, he hasn't been quite as efficient or not that he was dominant last year at the end, but not quite as dominant in, in his relief outings. But, I mean, he followed up Daniel Lynch's sinkers with 10 and two-thirds scoreless innings. So that's, that's a good start for him. Um Brewers lineup is is not great, but they hit lefties better, so it's, it's kind of a test for him, a little bit of a test. But um, I don't know. I'm excited to see him because he did finish the season so well last year. And I think we talked about this. You can you can look at any of these young starters, and you can make a decent argument that any one of them is the best of the bunch. And and Bubich is involved in that. Bubich has a chance to be the best of the bunch, just like Singer does, just like Lynch does, like Coar, like Lacey, like Alec Marsh, all these guys. Bubich Bubich could be that guy because he's. He's such a smart pitcher that I have faith in him to make the adjustments he needs to make. And so I'm, I'm hoping that he gets a chance to go every day. I think he will, and I'm, and I'm excited to see it. 
He is David Lesky. You can check out his work in Royals Review. You can and should, by the way. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you my advice. If I no, were tell you, tell him what to do. Okay. You need to go right now and subscribe to Inside the Crown Substack. It's honestly the best, most convenient, easiest, cleanest way to get your Royals news in your email inbox. You don't have to click anything. Just open the email and read it. There's your Royals news every single day. It's awesome stuff. I do it every morning. David is on with us every Monday. He is David Lesky. All right, so zero wins in between the last two discussions and then two wins in between last week and this week. So... I say three or above, I'll consider a win for next week. Yeah, I, I, I think they have a chance. Oh, my God. It's two off days, too. It's, it's an off day today and an off day later this week. So the odds are against so it. The Brewers are, they were, see if this sounds familiar, they were seven games over 500 on May 1st. And they are four and 10 since then. Not quite two and 13 bad, but the Royals were seven games over 500 on May 1st also, and they're two and 13 since then. These are two struggling teams. You get their best two pitchers, but then they get the Tigers, and I feel like they're kind of playing, they're playing enough, better enough, and the Tigers are still bad. I think they have a chance to win four or five between our next, between now and our next conversation. I'm not going to predict it, but I think they have a chance to. So yeah, I say three wins is what you need. All right, he's selling high. I love it. David Lesky, thank you as always, man. Yep, thanks, Nick. All righty, that is David Lesky again. Inside the Crown Substack, Royals Review. Great stuff. Always brings it every Monday with us here during baseball season. Okay, he's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Quick shout-out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros., and the Lawrence Public Library, our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Open for dining, carryout, and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self mac and cheese, the Haney turkey stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. Ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon and welcome to the 2021 RCST Trivia Phenomenal Four. Over five weeks ago, 64 contestants entered this competition with aspirations of being crowned the king of Kansas basketball trivia. We've witnessed upsets, heartbreak, resilience, courage, selflessness, patriotism, cowardice, romance, arson, burglary, infidelity, and treason. But through it all, four competitors, no, four warriors remain. Isaac, Tyler, Eric, Andrew, congratulations on making it this far. But we know by now, you didn't come here for the prizes and the consolation trophies. You came for the glory. You came for the 65-inch flat-screen TV with built-in Wi-Fi, Bluetooth capabilities, and access to Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and even some of the second-rate apps that most people don't use, like Peacock or Paramount. But most of all, you came here to be named champion. Will the Wonderkind continue his reign of dominance and collect his second title in as many years? Will Eric continue his record-setting pace and break through to grab a banner? 
Will Andrew prove that his early exit a season ago was nothing but an anomaly, a blip on the radar for a titan of KU trivia? Or will Tyler shock the world and prove that passion, some elbow grease, and good old-fashioned hard work is all it takes to accomplish your dreams? Well, there's only one way to find out. We've seen 60 matchups over 42 days get us to this point. But over the next hour, we will have only two contestants remaining. Let's get to meet our first two contestants of the Phenomenal Four. From the East Region, entering today's bout, having answered 18 questions correctly to four incorrectly. His 18 correct answers are more than any other contestant in this year's tournament. He's the only Phenomenal Four participant to have been an underdog in every single matchup he's played. He's the only RCST Trivia rookie to make it to the Phenomenal Four. He entered as the nine seed, but he emerges as the undefeated, undisputed champion of the East region, Tyler, don't call me an underdog, Feist. From the Midwest region, Entering today's bout, having answered 32 questions correctly and two incorrectly, he boasts a record of 15-1 and one this year. Competing in his second consecutive Phenomenal Four, he's had a target on his back every step of the way, and nothing has slowed him down. Some people call him a villain, some people call him an inspiration, and some people just call him champ the number one overall seed, and your reigning RCST Trivia Champion, Isaac the Wonderkind Henderson. Thank you to our public address announcer, Joel Becker. I am so excited to get to these matchups. We've got two matchups, a doubleheader, a semifinal doubleheader, here in RCST Trivia, two spots in the RCST Trivia Championship on the line. We've got four worthy competitors, but only two are moving on. Let's talk to our first two contestants. It is a 1-9 matchup in the Phenomenal Four. First up, as you just heard, he's been an underdog in every single matchup he's played in not just this year but all time because this is his first year he's the only rcst trivia rookie to make it to the phenomenal four tyler you've had a lot of doubters a lot of detractors a lot of critics who said you couldn't do this that you'd never make it to the phenomenal four round by round you have silenced your critics you've made it here you get to hang a banner you already got the trophy from Jayhawk Trophy. I know you want a bigger one, though. We gave you a trophy. It's a it's a little guy. You want that big trophy. You want that big TV. Do you feel like you still have anything to prove at this point based off the run you've had through the East region? Oh, I don't think I have anything left to prove. I think I've earned a spot. Uh, 
to be in the same conversation as the all-time greats, but I don't know if I've hit the blue blood, the like for sure blue blood level. So I think knocking off Isaac would certainly solidify that. So I, I'm, that's my hope for today is to, to get into that for sure blue blood, all-time great type conversation. You've answered more questions correctly than anybody else this year. You were 18 and four on trivia questions this year. Now, the 18 isn't quite as important as the four, right? Because when you get to this level and you go up against a guy like Isaac, there may not be many opportunities, if any, to get one wrong and stay alive. So when you look at the game plan, the margin for error that exists, how much is there, what it's going to take to take down the reigning RCST trivia champ, What's that look like? What's the game plan that you've laid out ahead of this one? Well, um, I'd say Isaac is is probably overall better than me, but in March, not it doesn't always end up being the better team that wins. Upsets happen, so I think there was at the beginning of the tournament, I would say there was a big. A pretty big margin between someone like Isaac and a first timer like me, but I've studied, I've prepped, I've read some books. I, uh, I've done a lot of prep work to narrow the gap, and I think uh, I've narrowed it about as much as I can. I, I've prepped this, I'm as ready as I can be. I know I'm gonna have to probably get a little bit lucky with Isaac missing one, and then me, I, I know I'm gonna have to answer some level five questions so i've studied to prepare for that hopefully that's going to help me out isaac you've been here before you're back to the phenomenal four for the second straight year making history one of only two competitors ever to go to back to back the other one happens to be in this tournament as well we'll hear from him later but isaac i mean your reputation precedes itself at this point and honestly with it being such a volatile tournament, right? You, you slip up one time and you're done. It's a feat in and of itself that you've made it back this far. But you know as well as I do, it don't mean a thing unless you got that ring. And if you make it to back-to-back Phenomenal Fours, that's great. But if you lose here, you're no longer the champ, right? Somebody else is going to take that belt from you. So what does it mean now as you get ready for the phenomenal four yet again here in 2021. Yeah, I think pretty much all year before I went into this, I knew it was champ or busts. Um, and that's kind of been the mentality you've had to you go win it one year. It's tough. Um, let's do it a second time. Uh, be chair on top, top of the cake. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, early on, we had something to prove. Um, we, you know, you got back to the Final Four. You, you're back again. You can smell it. You can taste it. So I think coming up short would just would just be brutal. You know, and, and one of the things that, that sets apart guys like you guys who make it this far and those who had really good runs but maybe didn't make it quite as far, and it's not across the board. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are putting in the work, but I know for a fact both of you guys do the homework. You're doing the research. You're going back and looking up games. You're looking up stats, NCAA tournament runs, players from the 50s and 40s and 30s. Isaac, you, you've you seen that Tyler's been putting in that work much like you have. Give me the scouting report that you see in your competition today, Isaac. 
Uh, any anyone that gets to, you know, gets goes on a deep run in these tournaments, they're obviously worthy competitors. That it's not just it's not just they went and did the research in the past month. It's a you know, multi-year thing, whether it's just being a fan doing it for fun or just being a historian, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's not. It, it takes more than just a few months and a fluky run to get here. You have to put in the work, and it's it's not easy. No, it is not. You guys maybe look make it look easy at times, but it is certainly a grind to make it this far, all the way to the Phenomenal Four. But, alas, only one of you guys can move on. I'd love to put both of you guys in the championship, but that's just not how this works. So, we're going to watch you guys duke it out in our first semifinal matchup of RCST Trivia. By now, you guys know the rules, but I will quickly go over them once again. I'll be asking you guys a series of Kansas basketball trivia questions alternating back and forth between the two of you. We will continue to do that until one of you guys answers it right and the other one answers it wrong, at which point we will have our winner and somebody's going to be moving on to the championship game. You guys still have 30 seconds to answer, and we will play you a five-second warning that sounds like this. When you hear that, you got five seconds left to answer. Make sure you get an answer off before Hornets play-by-play man Eric Collins yells, oh, otherwise you're out of time and you're automatically getting that one wrong. The questions will get progressively more difficult as you answer them correctly and move throughout the rounds. Okay, fellas, enough with the fanfare. Let's get down to brass tacks. Tyler, you have been an underdog in every single matchup you've been a part of, which means round after round, you've had this choice, which I give you again today. Do you want to answer first, or do you want to answer second? I'll go second. Okay. Isaac, start us off. Here's your first question. Isaac, what's the name of the Kansas big man who helped lead KU to a 2012 national championship game appearance and set the school record with 27 double-doubles in one season? Thomas Robinson. Thomas Robinson is correct. Tyler, to you. Prior to Thomas Robinson, the previous record holder for most double-doubles in a season had 25 of them in the 2001-2002 season. And just like Robinson, he would elect to go pro after his junior season that also featured a Final Four appearance. Who was it? Drew Gooden. Drew Gooden is correct. I believe they called him the Big Drizzle, or he called himself the Big Drizzle. I don't think that nickname ever quite caught on. Okay, Isaac, back to you. In 1988, this KU big man set the school record for most consecutive 20-point games with 11 of them. Danny Manning. Tyler, question number two. What KU player holds the record for most points in consecutive games, he had 91 points in two straight games. They were the first two games of his KU career in the 1956-57 season. Well, Chandler. All right, these are easy. Okay, we're not going to get any slip-ups in the Phenomenal Four. You know, we just got to test. It's like the appetizer. These the hors d'oeuvres. Get a little bit of bruschetta in your stomach or some mozzarella sticks. 
Okay, guys. Those are vastly different appetizers. Whatever. I don't know if, if we're at a fancy dinner or if it's just, you know, casual dining. Let's go. Phenomenal four. Tyler, Isaac. We go back to Isaac now for question number three. Isaac, in 2018, what KU player set the school record for most total points in a Big 12 tournament with 72 over a three-game span? Malik Newman. March Malik. March Malik back in 2018. That is correct. Okay, Tyler, question number three for you. Prior to Newman, that record was set at 67 points across three games in the 1998 Big 12 tournament by this Kansas wing. Paul Pierce. The truth. That is a nickname that did, in fact, catch on for Paul Pierce. Isaac, back to you now. Question number four. Isaac, name this KU guard who went to Burlington High School and led Kansas in steals per game in 2011. Tyrell Reed. Tyrell Reed is correct. We go back to you now, Tyler. Tyler, this Bill Self favorite from Chicago, he played forward and center for KU from 2012 to 2016. He ended up 15th all-time in KU history in blocks. What's his name? Jamari Trailer. That's right. He's probably on the all-time Bill Self. If we're making a starting five, Bill Self favorite players, Jamari Trailer. Always had a soft spot for him. Okay, guys. Both of you knocking these down four for four to start it off. So we're going to ramp things up. Another notch. We go back to you now, Isaac. Question number five. Phenomenal four. Tyler, Isaac. Here it is, Isaac. What KU player holds the school record for most three-point makes in a conference game? He had eight of them against Texas on January 10th of 1998. Billy Thomas. Wow, that is correct. Billy Thomas. Tyler, back to you now. The KU individual record for most 10 assist games, 10 assist games in one season is eight. It was set in 1998 by what guard? Ryan Robertson. Wow. Wow. That is correct. Billy Thomas, Ryan Robertson. Those were not easy questions, but then again, you guys are just two of the four final contestants here in RCST Trivia. Great job, guys. We've got ourselves a hotly contested matchup. A spot in the RCST Trivia Championship on the line. Both these guys five for five to start us off today. 
And we go back to Isaac now for his sixth question. Isaac, in 2007, the Big 12 revealed its 10th anniversary team. Three Jayhawks made the squad. Name one of them. Rafe LaFrance. Rafe LaFrance. Probably probably the greatest player in Big 12 history. I mean, that's up for debate, but you go, you know, back-to-back, first-team All-Big 12, back-to-back, all, first-team All-American. It's tough because a guy like Nick Collison was in the Big 12 all four years, you know, yeah. so do you take the totality. It's well, the same debate with, like, Danny Manning yeah. versus Will. By the way, Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich were uh, two of the other KU players on the Big 12 10th anniversary team. Okay, Tyler, we go back to you now. Tyler, Kansas suffered three losses in their 2008 National Championship season. Name one of the teams to beat Kansas that year. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, along with Texas and Kansas State. Oklahoma State is like the KU lost the game of our Danny Manning or Wilt Chamberlain Mm guesses. Yep, exactly. All right, guys. We're moving on now to the most difficult level of questions. We reserve these for only our best matchups. And only our best competitors ever get any of these right. You're two of the best. And this is what it's going to take for one of you guys to win this matchup. Nobody's got one wrong yet. Six for six for both these guys. They both won a shot at the title. Isaac, back to you for your next question. In 1952, Kansas won the national championship. Who did they beat 80-63 to in the championship game? St. John. St. John's is correct. Did that even take two seconds? I don't know. I wasn't counting, but it didn't take long. Tyler, back to you. We talked about this actually last week. In 1971... Kansas lost in the Final Four. They played in the now non-existent third-place game in 1971. They lost that game as well, 77-75. to Who did they lose to? I believe that was Western Kentucky. My goodness. I'm, I'm ready to dub this the greatest... RCSD trivia matchup ever that we've had so far. It's pretty remarkable. We've had longer ones, but not where both people have gone 7-0. and It's pretty remarkable. Okay. We can't stop now. Unless anybody wants to quit. It would be unprecedented for somebody to quit mid-matchup, but you guys have both done... You guys are both really friendly competitors, selfless. If you guys just want to concede to the other one, you can do that now. Otherwise, we're going to keep going, and we're going to go all day. We'll be here as long as it takes to get our winner... Isaac, back to you. What 11 seed did Kansas beat in the first round of their 1988 national title run? Xavier. (laughs) That is correct. The Xavier Musketeers. Okay, Tyler, back to you. This is incredible, an instant classic. I'd expect nothing less. Tyler. What 14 seed did Kansas beat in the second round 
of the 1988 NCAA tournament. I think that was Murray State. <laughs> I don't know what to do. What if we run out of questions? What if we run out of time? What if we're here all night and these guys are just knocking them down? One of you guys is going to slip up eventually, I think. I think. Eight for eight. I have asked 16 questions in this matchup. Isaac and Tyler have answered 16 of them. Correctly. This has never been done. This has never happened before. And a milestone achievement along the way. That last one for Isaac was his 40th career correct trivia answer. All right. Congratulations. But you know what? We're not here for statistical championships, okay? We're here for real wins. I need a winner. Who wants this? I mean, you both won it. <clears throat> okay. Isaac, question number nine. Maybe this will be the round that does it. Question number nine. Isaac, name a player for KU who has their jersey retired and played in the 1920s. Um, I'll go with Tuss Ackerman. <laughs> oh, that is right. Tuss Ackerman, Charlie Black. Gail Gordon, Paul Endicott, and Al Peterson. Those are the five players who played in the 20s and have their jerseys retired. Remarkable. Okay, Tyler. Tyler, name a player for KU who has their jersey retired and played in either the 1930s or the 1940s. Let's go with Fred Prowl. Other acceptable answers would have been Ray Evans, Howard Engelman, and Charlie B. Black. There's two Charlie Blacks. Charlie T. Black, Charlie B. Black. Are they related? I don't know. They, one of these guys could probably tell us. I swear. I, I ask Isaac or... Yeah, either one of you guys want to answer that? Do anybody know the two Charlie Blacks related? All right. Yeah, they don't want to ruin their perfect record. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Neither one of them have missed a question. You think they're going to ruin their their Sterling record? <sighs> wow. Wow. This is unbelievable. Question number 19 now. Question number 19. If you're just joining us, the year is 2030. This matchup has been going on for a decade now. Isaac and Tyler are duking it out for a shot in the RCST Trivia Championship. This is the longest a matchup has ever went, and it's the longest a matchup has ever went without an incorrect question. Neither one of these guys have missed one. This is a championship bout. Exactly how it should be. RCST Trivia, Rock Chuck Sports Talk. We're going back to Isaac now for his next question. Single elimination, right? One guy gets it right, one guy gets it wrong. Boom, we have our winner. That hasn't happened yet. Isaac, here's your next question. What's the name of the former All-American center who played for Kansas from 1952 to 1954 and has his jersey retired in Allen Fieldhouse? 
you repeat the first part? The name of the former All-American center who played for Kansas from 1952 to 1954. As is Jersey. B.H. Bourne? Yep. That's right. B.H. Bourne is correct. He was kind of the uh, the stopgap. One of the unforgotten guys in between the Clyde Lavellet and Wilt Chamberlain years. Okay, Tyler, back to you. Tyler, another former KU big man, has his name in the rafters. He played at Kansas from 1959 to 1961. He was an all-Big 8 selection three times. What's his name? Bill Bridges. We're going to run out of questions. I'm legitimately concerned at this point. We're going to run out of questions. And we're going to run out of time. No no commercial breaks. Call the sponsors. Tell them we got a classic on our hands. All right, back to you, Isaac. Isaac, who was the first KU player to ever win the Big 8 Newcomer of the Year Award back in 1967? I'll say Robish. The correct answer, Isaac, was Vernon Vinoy. Vernon Vinoy won Big 8 Newcomer of the Year in 1967. Okay. All right. There is blood. Blood has been spilled. We have our first incorrect answer. And sometimes that's all it takes. Because, Tyler, if you get this right... You are moving on to the RCST Trivia Championship game. Tyler, here's your question. Vernon Vinoy was the first KU player to win Big 8 Newcomer of the Year in 1967. The second KU player to win that award did it in 1977. Who was it? I'm going to go with my guy, McKeskey. <laughs> when all else fails, guess Paul McKeskey. The correct answer, John Douglas. John Douglas. So it took Vernon Vinoy and John Douglas for us to get some incorrect answers. I thought that might be it. I was like, okay, well, if one guy gets it wrong, nope. Big 8 Newcomer of the Year. That's the kryptonite. That's the kryptonite for Isaac and Tyler. Big 8 Newcomer of the Year. Okay. You're both still alive. Unbelievable. I'm getting sick of you guys. I'm getting sick of sitting here looking at your faces, listening to your answers. I want a winner. All right? But you both want it. And I respect the hell out of that. 
This is a semifinal matchup that has been going on for four days now on RCST Trivia. Isaac, the defending champ, the one seed from the Midwest region, taking on the rookie, the underdog, the nine seed, Tyler. And we go back to you now, Isaac, for your next question. Isaac, Kansas set a school record with 22 steals in one game on December 1st of 1990 against who? I'll say Kentucky. The correct answer is Marquette. Marquette, 22 steals in one game against Marquette in 1990. Okay, Tyler, you got you got another chance here, all right? You had the you had the kill shot last time. Couldn't pull the trigger. Here's your second shot to get the win to move on to the next round, to the championship round of RCST Trivia. The largest margin of victory in KU basketball history was 115 to 45, a 70 point win over who? Uh, I don't have any other guess. I know in 2008, KU destroyed Texas Tech, so Texas Tech. Brown. That win came against Brown in 1989. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. Take a deep breath, both of you guys. Take a deep breath. Isaac, you've been up against the ropes twice there. Tyler, you've had the opportunity to get the win there. Take a deep breath. We're still in this. We're going to go back to another round of questioning. Isaac, we go back to you now. Isaac, what KU player holds the record for most three-point attempts in a single season? He had 277 attempts in 1991. Terry Brown. That is right. Downtown Terry Brown in 1991. Okay, Tyler, need this one. Tyler, KU's all-time leading shooter by three-point percentage... Played in the mid to late 80s. He shot 44.6%. What's his name? You said he played from mid to late 80s? Mid to late 80s. That's right. That is correct. That is correct. He was shaking his head. I'm watching him on Zoom. He was shaking his head when he said it, like, I hate this. I don't like how this feels. Well, how's it feel now? You got it right. Unbelievable. The never-ending matchup. I, I officially have run out of questions. These guys have exhausted all the questions that we had allotted for today. And we've been at this for 20 plus minutes. So here's what we're going to do. Never done this before. Never been done in the history of RCST trivia. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to go to break. I'm going to reset the questions. Give these guys a chance to get a drink of water. 
go to the bathroom, do whatever they need to do. You have the chance to do the same. We're going to continue this semifinal RCST trivia matchup between Isaac and Tyler on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Have you still not heard MLS is back and Sporting Kansas City is back in action? After finishing first in the Western Conference last season, Sporting KC is back in action and hungrier than ever to paint the wall. The best part is you can watch Polito, Russell, Busio, and the rest of our boys in Sporting Blue live in a limited capacity crowd again this season. To attend a match in person, go to SeatGeek.com SKC and be sure to use code SKC. RCST at checkout to receive an exclusive discount just for being a Rock Chalk Sports Talk listener. Again, use code SKCRCST at SeatGeek.com slash SKC before it's too late. All right, we're back here on RCST Trivia with Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. About half an hour ago, we began this semifinal matchup, this phenomenal four matchup between Isaac, our defending champ, the one seed from the Midwest region, and Tyler, the rookie, the underdog, the nine seed from the East region. I'm not kidding. Half an hour ago. Usually these things take like 15 minutes, 20 tops. We have blown past that. It is breaking every single single matchup record in RCST trivia history. This is going to be the one. This is like the six-overtime game between... UConn and Syracuse, except I think we're in like our 12th overtime at this point. And and honestly, we may not even be close to the end. I have no earthly idea. Isaac, Tyler with us. Let's just take a little breather here. Isaac, you've been a part of a lot, a lot of these matchups. Have you ever been a part of anything quite like this? I don't think I could have dreamt that it would take this long they would go through this many questions um it's kind of one of those things you just prepare but you never you never expect it to be anywhere close to this tyler you you said you knew it was going to take a a little bit of luck maybe needing isaac to, to miss a couple he did miss a couple weren't able to capitalize but yet the flip side of that is that there's nobody else that's been able to go toe to toe with not just isaac but with anyone to answer this many questions correctly it's got to be physically, emotionally exhausting. How are you feeling here, knowing you're still alive and still got a shot at the title? Oh, the adrenaline is still pumping. I'm still ready to go. Uh, I just hope we're not boring any of the listeners. I mean, this is going on forever, but I, I'm enjoying it, and uh, I'm certainly proud to be a part of the longest matchup ever. That's right. Most importantly, one of you guys gets to win the longest matchup ever. Let's get right back to it. Isaac, Tyler, round number 1,000. I don't even know what we're on at this point. I'm going to be honest. I lost track a little while ago. But we go back to you now, Isaac. I got a new set of questions here. Ready to roll. Isaac, here's your next question. The 1966 Kansas season ended with a loss to Texas Western. JoJo White was the number one player on that KU team, the most famous player from that team, but what big man led them in points per game? Walt Wesley. Walt Wesley is correct. Back to you now, Tyler. Trailing only Wilt Chamberlain. This KU player from 1960 
is second all-time at KU for most free throw makes in one season with 193 of them. You said it was 1960? 1960. And did you say it was a guard or big man? I did not. Okay. I'll go with Bill Bridges. Tyler, the correct answer. Wayne Hightower. Wayne Hightower had uh, 193 free throw makes in 1960 and the longest greatest RCST trivia matchup in the history of this event has come to an end the defending champ Isaac still alive his shot at title defense is still there for the taking Isaac you are going back to the championship game after one of the greatest matchups we've ever seen how's it feel man I mean, that was just the biggest sigh of relief you could possibly give right there. I mean, Tyler's obviously a stud. I mean, I think you could pull anybody from this tournament and give them 15 questions like that, and I don't know how many of them could even get 10 of those. Um, so, I mean, that's – I mean, that's – it took it took everything. It took 120%, but, you know, obviously thrilled to be going back, um, but hats off to the competition. Yeah, man. I mean, you've you've went up against a lot of really stiff competition. Obviously, um, a who's who of the greatest RCST trivia competitors that we've ever seen. How do you think that guy that you just defeated? Uh, how do you think he ranked up with the best, man? I mean, if if that didn't if that didn't put him over the top, I don't know what will. Um, I mean, I mean, if you look back at the final fours in that in title game last year, they were. They didn't go. They might have even gone four or five rounds, let alone 15 or whatever we went today. So, Tyler, you you fought as hard and went as long as anybody we've ever seen, yet you still come up uh, on the wrong end of this. It was Wayne Hightower that did you in. You, you asked for, for clarification. Big guy, guard, I didn't give it to you. Um, 1960, Wayne Hightower, uh, 21 points, 10 rebounds per game. But uh, those 193 free throws made, that's the question that ended up doing you in. It's got to feel uh, it's got to feel a little exhausting. I, I'd imagine you're proud of your performance today because you did great. But that's all it takes to come up on the wrong side of things. Getting one question wrong. It was the Wayne Hightower one. Just tell me how you're feeling right now, man. Oh, the competitive competitive side of me is a little bit pissed off that I lost. Uh, but. I am proud of the way the way we had to fight, and I certainly didn't embarrass myself. I got Isaac to miss a couple. That's pretty cool, I guess. And uh, I that was a fun matchup. I'm certainly grateful to you guys, Nick and Derek, for doing this. And Isaac, like everybody knows that you're the man. Uh, appreciate the the good competition, and it was a lot of fun. I, I'm just grateful to be a part of it. RCST Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and taproom located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers, and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at tgbrews.com. 
Breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. The optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. And did I mention wireless charging? The lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system used electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code RCST. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. For our second and final Phenomenal Four matchup. From the West Region, entering the matchup having answered 19 questions correctly to just one incorrectly. He is the only Phenomenal Four participant to have not answered one question incorrectly in this tournament, sitting at 17-0 this season. He's answered more difficult questions than a boyfriend meeting his girlfriend's parents for the first time. The last man standing from the region of death. Don't let the hijinks fool you. He's playing for keeps. The undefeated, undisputed champion of the West region, Andrew. Put some respect on my name, Wymore. From the South region, entering this phenomenal four bout, having answered 38 questions correctly to just two incorrectly all time. He's 15-1 this year. He currently holds the RCST Trivia career records for correct answers and win percentage. He's been on the ropes, but always finds a way to emerge victorious. He finished in third place a year ago, but he's hungry for more. Back in the Phenomenal Four for the second year in a row, the undefeated, undisputed champion of the South Region, Eric. Just give me your lunch money and no one gets hurt, Pansy. Well, we just saw a bona fide classic, an instant classic in RCST trivia history with Isaac advancing over. Tyler, did you have the final record of that of that, that round, of just that round? What did Isaac go? 12 and 12 and 2. Tyler goes 11 and 3. That's correct. You and go they 11. started what? 9 and 0 each? It's, it's 11 and 3 might be a record for somebody just to get to the final four. They did it in just one matchup. That was remarkable. So, uh no pressure on our next two guys. Who is Isaac going to be going up against? Is he going to be going up against Another player in his phenomenal four debut in Andrew, a 17, another underdog, quote-unquote, or another grizzled veteran, our third-place finisher from a year ago, Eric, the one seed from the south versus the seven seed from the west. Let's find out right now. It's our final RCST trivia matchup of the day. We just heard an instant classic. Andrew, you've had some pretty good ones this year, especially early on. 
You had some matchups that went deep. You've had some other ones that have been relatively quick. What are you expecting out of this phenomenal four matchup versus Eric today? Well, Eric's record speaks for itself. Um, you know, I think coming into today, he was the all-time leading question answerer, all-time correct leading, uh, all-time leader with correct questions answered. <laughs> uh, but but it sounds like we've got we've probably got a new leader in the clubhouse there um, as as we stand right now. But obviously, Eric's no stranger to. Uh, to the bright lights and big stage that we have here tonight. So we're looking forward to a terrific competition. But but you are, Andrew. You are a stranger to at least this level. You've never made it to the Phenomenal Four before. You've obviously proven yourself throughout the first three rounds of this tournament. What's going to be different? Does it feel different? Is your preparation different? Are, are the nerves different this time around? We had about an extra half hour to study. Uh, th- th- that was unexpected. Yeah. Hope Here's, you crammed. Uh, we, we we went back to the locker room and and uh, reviewed the scouting report. So we're we're ready to go. We're uh, we just, just want to go out there and play with a free mind. So it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. Okay, is you know does does the ice play a factor? You're ready and then you're not ready and then you come back out and you have to warm up again. I don't know. We're about to find out. Fortunately for you, Eric, you've got plenty of experience. You've been here before. You made it to this round where you lost a season ago, a third place finisher. How did that experience from a season ago, how has that assisted you so far this year? And how do you use it to your advantage today against Andrew? Well, first of all, thank you for the friendly reminder on the loss last year. That always <laughs> feels good to uh, to recall that. But um, no, I mean, listen, you, you, you try to prepare for these these matchups and everyone that's made it this far is is worthy. Um, you get stuck in the tunnel after we've already warmed up maybe for an extra 30 minutes. So I think, uh, you know, spend a little bit more time digging through some Paul McKeskey trivia just to see if any of that pops up. So that seems to be a common theme. But um, no, I mean, listen, I, I think I put it on Twitter. We, we hang banners for Final Fours and Championships. So at a minimum, a banner's going up. But um you know, I'm just looking forward to having fun today. Yep. It's like, it's like, what's it going to be? Is this, is it going to be KU 2002, 2003 back-to-back final fours with no title to show for it? Or could it be, uh, who was it? North Carolina, right? Didn't North Carolina go to the final four, lose to, to Nova, come back the next year, win the whole dang thing. Let's find out. It is our second and final RCST trivia phenomenal four matchup between Andrew and Eric You guys know the rules by now. I'm going to be asking you a series of KU basketball trivia questions alternating back and forth until one of you guys gets one right and the other one gets one wrong. In the case of our last matchup, uh, it took about 40 rounds of questioning, but darn it, we got our our winner, all right? It's a tried and true method for finding a winner. You will have 30 seconds to answer your question. We will play you a five-second warning. When you hear this ticking sound, you have five seconds left to answer. We had a few buzzer beaters in that last matchup. So just because you're not sure right away, don't give up yet. Because some of those half-court heaves happen to go in. All right, guys. Andrew, Eric, you're our last semifinal matchup. Let's get it rolling. Andrew, you've been an underdog in, I believe, 
every single matchup since your first round matchup when you were a 7-10 favorite. But since then, you've been the dog and you have been choosing whether to answer first or second. So what's it going to be this time around? Uh, once again, Nick, we're going to elect to go first. Okay. It's worked for you thus far. Don't switch it up now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Andrew, first question is for you. What KU big man in 2003 set the school record for most rebounds in one NCAA tournament with 81 of them? Collison. Nick Collison is correct. We go back to you or to you for the first time now. Eric, second on that list is another KU big man. He had 75 rebounds in the 2012 NCAA tournament. Who was it? T-Rob Robinson. Thomas Robinson is correct. All right, second question now for you, Andrew. When was the last time Andrew Kansas made it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Uh, that'd be 2018. Yeah, made it all the way to the Final Four that year. Second round exit the next season. No tournament season after that. And uh, second round exit this past year. Okay, Eric, back to you now. Eric, when was the last time that Kansas played in the national championship game? Uh, 2012. It's almost insulting to ask these guys these sorts of questions. Like, they made it this far. It's like, are you? what's with the warm-up? What's with the layup line? Like, I don't need to be hitting off a tee. It's a phenomenal four matchup. Let's make it a little bit more difficult. And I'm tired of the I'm tired of the nice friendly music too, because this is anything but nice and friendly. We're looking for a champion also, here in our though, CST trivia. Another milestone. We mentioned it when Isaac crossed it earlier. Eric at 40 career trivia question. Okay, Isaac also got 12 questions correct in the last round. So uh two down, ten to go for you, Eric. But you got a fierce competitor standing in your way. And we go back to you now, Andrew. In the 2016 Elite Eight, Kansas lost to this team 64 to 59. That is correct. Villanova went on to win the title. How was that the game? I was too, unfortunately. I'd like to forget it. Eric, what sophomore guard for KU led the team with 17 points in that game, but fouled out late in the second half? Well, I don't think he really fouled out, but uh, Devontae Graham. Officially, officially fouled out, I believe. Uh, diving for a loose ball. That was what did him in. Can't do that. Can't do that in the NCAA tournament. I think Devontae fouled twice in that game. Yeah, probably if we went back and counted him. Okay, Andrew, who led KU in assists in the COVID-shortened season in 2019-2020? So Dotson. The correct answer, Andrew, Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett led KU in assists in 2020. Something something was telling me that it wasn't Dotson, but 
144 for Garrett, 120 to Dotson. That's a per-game average of 4.6 versus 4.0. Okay, Eric, if you get this right, you're moving on to the championship game, exercising your demons from a season ago. Eric, who led Kansas in blocks per game in the 2016-2017 season? taking my time here i think it's josh jackson but oh man i'll go josh jackson that is correct josh jackson led the team with 1.1 blocks per game that was the season if if yudoka azabuki would have played more than what was it 10 games that season, he would have been the correct answer. But Josh Jackson, 1.1 blocks per game, led the team. Eric, you, you gave it a bit of a guess. But not only did you get it right, like I said, you exercised your demons from a year ago. No third-place game for you, Eric. You are moving on, and you are going to the championship round Well, you would take on last year's champion, Isaac. How do you feel? Uh, a little relieved. I, this is one that I probably wouldn't have known the answer to, um, but having looked at the leaders lists, um, I knew his name was on there somewhere, but yeah. I was thinking, well, Dokes surely had more, but um, you said average, and I feel like you have to qualify for that. So That is correct. Yeah, a little, a little lucky, I feel like, because I, I just happened to look at that in the last day or so and, and happened to see that name stick out on the blocks list, which was shocking to me. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you go to the, the official stats book, you know they, you have to qualify a certain number of minutes or games played to, to make that list. Josh Jackson is the guy. It was sort of a, it felt like it was a bit of a guess, as you mentioned. It was a, a bit of a tricky question there, but you got it right. Big picture, though, Eric. You know, you were in this game a year ago where you fell short and I'm just curious how much that has been in the back of your head throughout this RCST trivia run this year and how much it means now to get the win and move on to the title game well I have a lot less Monday morning quarterbacks in my friend group um they seem to all know the answer I missed last year um at least at the time <laughs> they, they, they did so I I at least can say I got one step further and don't have to hear that from them for for at least one more matchup Andrew, um, much like Eric a season ago, your first loss or your first missed question in RCST trivia this year results in a loss, right? And that, that's the case for a couple of guys. That was the case for Eric last year who finished third. That was the case for Tate last year who finished second. You hadn't missed one. You, you seemed a little uncertain. You said it right afterwards that you, you kind of thought about Marcus. How are you feeling now after that first loss and, uh, now knowing that your your dreams of a title have been dashed. Well, we got what we deserved. Um, I, I Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think that might have been a question at some point earlier in the tournament. And it's, it sort of surprised me at the time. But uh, I had something in the back of my head telling me, that it wasn't Dotson, but it just seemed like it mm-hmm. it would have had to have been, but 
Yeah, some of these questions, not, not the that, case. they get a slight variation, right? We'll change something a little bit different True. or change the context yeah. a little bit. But yeah, you're right. Like that, that probably did come up at some point. And yeah, a little bit surprising. And that was maybe a talking point at the beginning of this year when people talked about Marcus taking over. And they said, well, he led the team in assists last year. So maybe he is that guy. But it's tough. Some of those are a little bit tricky when it feels like the answer is so obvious. It goes a different direction. And you, you had a great run throughout RCST trivia. Obviously, um, well deserving of of making it to the phenomenal four. Certainly deserving of a higher seed than seven next year. What do you what do you hope that the fans, that the audience, that our listeners learned and will remember about Andrew Wymore's run through RCST trivia in two thousand twenty one? Well, that I'm I'm not a uh, first round uh, failure. <laughs> um, not knowing what number, uh, Frank Mason was. Yep. So hopefully I got that, uh, cleared up, but I, I wish Eric, uh, best of luck, um, the next round. And, um, certainly I think we're all in store for a heck of a matchup in the final there. I think we certainly are. Uh, I think it's uh, one that a lot of people are looking forward to. But I'll tell you what, after the two performances we saw from the losers, quote-unquote, in the semifinal matchup, we could be in store for a hell of a third-place game as well between Tyler and Andrew. Guys, thank you so much. Congratulations to you, Eric, Andrew. What a great run through our RCST trivia. Certainly worthy of making it this far, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Nick. And I I will say that we were saving our legs for for that (laughs) third-place matchup. Smart. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa, or call 785-749-749. 4808. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast.